series called Simple, and I believe Christianity is the most complex, simple thing that you could be a part of. There's mysteries of the scripture that God says that we'll, we'll never understand until eternity, until we're with him. And there's just things that we, we can't even come close to like grasping or gripping in our own just earthly mind. Uh, but Jesus continually throughout scripture makes the way to him easy or simple. And I'm not saying easy in a sense that you'll never have a hardship, but what I'm saying is he loves you and he's for you and he wants to be in relationship with you. And so he set laws and principles and things in place where we can be in relationship literally with our creator, with our God, the father. And so uh, the idea is that oftentimes in church or in Christianity or in religion, we complicate things. We make them a much bigger deal than they should be. And we usually do that with tradition or some of our own self pride or different things like that. And so we've taken the last uh, two months, we'll, we'll end it actually this month, and it'll be two months by the time we're done, but we've stripped it back and we've looked at really simple ideas in Scripture and what God would say in ways that we should live. And so today, our simple idea is this. It's that God wants his people to be people of passion. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this word passion, and I think a lot of times we hear this word passion and we think, oh, He's going to get up there and he's going to talk to me about being a weirdo and one of those people who, you know, goes and does all these weird things. And I hear DJ talking about how he was praying at a Chick-fil-A and that would freak me out. And so I'm not talking about being like a, a Christian crazy, but I kind of am in a way. But, uh, but I'm not talking about like, like what you've seen. I think you can all relate to what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about someone who's passionate, who, who has zeal. Uh, uh, okay, I got to jump into it. So Acts chapter 1, verse 3. This is the King James Version, so not even the New King James Version. So it's going to read a little different than normal. But Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, To whom also, speaking of Jesus, he showed himself alive after his passion. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God or the things of God. So everybody look at me this way. So look up here. So we're going to say it like this. The not King James version is going to be this. After his passion, he showed himself alive with many proofs. So what that saying is now he did miracles before he died on the cross, but after his passion, this is talking after the resurrection, he showed himself alive in demonstrations and proofs of him being alive, his aliveness, that he's no longer dead, he's alive. And then it says that he went about doing and talking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So after his passion, he showed himself alive with many proofs and then taught about the kingdom of God. So the short story is this. He was passionate, power showed up in his life, and it was a testimony unto the kingdom of God and what God wants to do here on earth. Somebody say amen. And if Jesus did it, that means that we can do it. Somebody say amen. If Jesus showed the way to do it, then that's the way that we do it. And so in your life, after your passion, after you've had passion, after you've gutted through it, after you've gone after it, after you've demonstrated passion and zeal and desire after that, then power is released in your life. And when the power is released in your life, it's a demonstration unto what the kingdom of God is like here on earth. Somebody said, that's good. Like, that's good. And so the problem is in church is like we boil all of our demonstration of the kingdom of God down to like a bumper sticker. 
like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to like, we're going to, we're going to put the kingdom of God on display and we get like a bumper sticker and that's going to show them. <laughs> or we get like a Christian t-shirt and I'm not against any of that stuff. Or like we change our Facebook profile picture to be like a godly statement or something. And there's no power in it. There's no real passion in it. We just hide behind like the, the image or the facade of this Christian thing that we were told to be instead of being people who go out there and live it on display. Amen. Okay, so take it up a notch with me, guys. Okay, we're going for it. We're talking about passion. Amen? Okay, so after his passion, he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. The word infallible is unarguable, unfallible. Like you couldn't argue with the things that Jesus was going and doing. He was alive and he was on display in the goodness of God. The Father was working through him in his life. It was unarguable. People couldn't deny it. It was, it was true. It was reality. And how did it happen? The scripture said, after his passion. And what was his passion? If you read through different translations of it, and what it's talking about here is the passion, his passion was the cross. His passion was his calling. His thing that he was set here on earth to do was to go and die on the cross. So after the cross, he had power released in his life. And so it called the cross or his season, that season, his passion. How many of you know a cross isn't an easy thing? Taking, going to the cross and dying on the cross, that wasn't an easy thing. But three days, the greatest display of power in human history happened after the cross. Passion is different, is the difference between winners and losers. Write that down. Passion is the difference between winners and losers. A lot of times, and it's college football season, and it's all this different stuff, and so a lot of times you'll get two equally talented teams and you'll put them on the field, and, and they're equal, and they size up well, and they match up well. And at the end of the day, the team with the most passion, the most desire, the one who we always say wanted it the most is the one who came away victorious. And you'll listen to the post-game interview, and they say, man, you could just tell that they, there was no giving up. They just had fight. They just they had what? They had passion. Because passion pushes things through. Passion is the thing that allows God's power to show up in our life. You say, say well, so why do, we, why do we worship like this? You know, why do people raise their hands? Why do some people bow their heads? Why do, you say, why do all these things? Because it's our display of passion. It's what's happening on the inside of us that we say, oh, passionately, I want to express myself to my creator. Somebody say amen. And that's okay. And, and, and all of us are in a different place on it. Uh, but here's the key. When, when we're talking about maybe worship or, or displays of passion, it's okay to have displays of passion. We love that. That's what it's about. We want to be a, li a live, vibrant community. But what we don't want to do is distract people. I think it's okay to be passionate, but if you're being passionate and you're being distracting and you're doing things that's putting the attention on yourself, well, then you're taking it away from God, who you're supposed to be reflecting it to. Amen? So I just want to set a culture here that says, you know what? We encourage being passionate, but we want to put it in a we want to put it in a, uh, a lane, if you will, that says, let's do it in a way that we're not taking away from the glory that's being reflected to God. Amen? So passion is the difference between winners and losers. There is no passion or replace. There is no substitute. This is good. There is no substitute or replacement for desire or for passion. You can't say, well, you know, I'm not passionate or whatever. I'm going to make it up in the arena or the area of this over here. You either have it or you don't. You either have the passion for it or you don't. Some people like things in theory, like, well, I, I, I believe in that. But proof 
of your passion or proof is in the pursuit of it. So proof that you want it or that you're passionate about it is in the pursuit. So if I say, hey, I'm going to learn to play guitar, I'm going to be a guitar player. And I get a shirt that says, I'm a guitar player. I play guitar. So I got the shirt and I'm going to play guitar and I'm telling people that I'm learning to play guitar. But I never sit down and start to learn the chords and learn the things. Am I really learning to be a guitar player? No. Why? Because the proof that I'm passionate about being a guitar player is not that I put on the shirt or not that I tell people that I'm going to be a guitar player. It's that I'm sitting down and learning to be a guitar player. Somebody say amen. Proof about something in your life is in the pursuit. Are you submitting your life? Are you laying things down? Hey, this doesn't feel comfortable. This isn't, you know, whatever. But God, I'm in pursuit of what you've called me to. So I'm going to sacrifice these things because I'm, I'm passionate about it. And I want to see your power in my life. That's good. Everybody say that's good. Okay. So that's page one. I have 14 more. So hope you don't have anything in the crock pot. That's like an old church joke. This generation all goes to Red Robin. That's it. Like... <laughs> So here's my thought on this too, is power follows passion. The power of God follows passion. I think the enemy is brilliant. The devil is brilliant when he says, oh man, I know what will work for them. If they're passionate, God's going to meet them there and power is going to be released and they're going to be influential. And if they're passionate, they're going to have influence. And if they're... So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get them mudded up in like tradition or boring, or doing the same old thing, if I can get them not passionate because they're bored and they're stagnant and they've been doing it the same old way, then they won't have as much influence because they won't have as much power. So if we can keep them in that, I mean, you know, it's a great trick that he's played on the Christian church is, hey, if we can just limit how passionate they are, if we can get them to go through the motions and not consider what God really wants to do and what they could pursue, then, then we miss it. And, and we're not going to be those kinds of people. So let me say amen. We're going to be the people that say, hey, we're full of passion. We want to see our communities better, not because we're better, but because God can bring it and make it better. And so we're going to live outside the four walls of these church, and we're going to connect with people with passion, not catchphrases, but with actual passion to see our community bettered. Uh, I know in my life that I am not the most talented. I know that I am not the most educated. Uh, I know that I am not the... Uh, person with the best background. I know that I don't know the most high up people, but I know this, that it takes a lot to get me to quit. It takes a lot to hold me down. Man, last night, and this, like, you're going to all go look it up. Man, last night I was in the fight of my life for a young person on Facebook who's being sold a lie by the, by the devil, by the enemy. <laughs> And it's taken him down a path he doesn't need to go. And so 105 comments later on Facebook, I was discouraged. I went to bed frustrated, like, God, help me out here. <laughs> like, what's the deal? But you know what I did? I woke up this morning, and guess what we sing? God's love goes on and on and on and on. And that's why the scripture says, when all you know to do is stand, what do you keep doing? Standing. Why? Because it's not about being the most talented, the most educated, the best background. It's about being someone who has passion and doesn't quit. Somebody say amen. And that's what we're going to be here at Vertical Church. Are we going to miss it? Are we going to make mistakes? Are we going to whatever? Are we going to have stuff to work through? Absolutely. 
but passion and going after what God put in our heart and being somebody who actively pursues what God called us to do, that's what we're going to be, a people of passion, because power follows passion. The problem is we've boiled all these Christian books down to this, hey, you want to be a Christian? Uh, This is your best life now. 555 ways to be blessed. And we make it this very, very, like, limited, like, God is this genie in heaven who we just rub a Bible and he pops out and says, like, how can I bless you today? And No, what do you, like, God loves to bless us and he's for us. He'll never be, he's for us. No one can be against us. But there's some fight that needs to take place. It's not this, Christianity isn't this little like, well, we're going to get together with our little bless me club and we're all going to shake hands and say, God bless you and we love you. And then let, let like our communities go the way that they're going or let our lives go the way. No, we, we need like, who's with me? Like, right? We, we need to not settle for just the status quo. We need to be people of passion. Uh, I think about Jesus. I mean, you just think about the cross thing and I won't spend a ton of time on it, but the cross thing, you think about, you know, how he, literally for him, his passion, it said his passion was the cross. And that means everything leading up to it. It means how he was whipped. It means how he was stripped of his clothes. It means how he had to carry the cross up Calvary and, I mean, you know, up a hill carrying a cross and then hanging on the cross with his limbs torn, you know, back and forth. All this and all the accusations they said about him and lied about him and all this stuff. And the scripture says it was his passion to do those things. And then we come into church and we get frustrated when they don't sing the right songs. Like, oh my gosh, they're singing that song again. I can't believe they're doing this thing. Oh, really? We're going to do another serve project in our community? Can't those people help themselves? Come on. His passion, he carried a cross for us. He forgave us of our sins. We can spend eternity in heaven with you with him. I think we can show a little bit more passion and pass it on to others. Somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus, when he was resurrected, the scripture says, and they pointed out that he took his grave clothes off. Because I believe it was a symbol, obviously, of this, that the body of Christ doesn't belong bound up. And I think a lot of times with tradition and with our own pride and with the games that we play in church, we love to wrap each other up. We love to put the old dead things back on you. Well, you know, Sister Somerset, she used to be things and used to do this thing. You know, he did this thing. And, well, you remember that they were with it. And we put all those grave clothes back on people. We say, no, they need to stay over there and they stay. And it keeps us bound up. And Jesus was like, hey, get these grave clothes off me. If you look at the story of Lazarus, one of the first things he says about Lazarus, who's his best friend who was dead, and Jesus shows up on the scene. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And then he says, loose that man. Get them out of those grave clothes. Why? Because we aren't supposed to be a people bound up and tied down and restricted. We're supposed to be a people of passion. Amen? Okay. Um, Can somebody in the tech team let kids know we'll be like 10 more minutes? (laughs) I'm blaming DJ. He's saying too long. (laughs) So tell them that. Thank you. (laughs) John the Baptist, there's a story when he was in his mother's womb. And then Jesus was in his mother's womb, and they got near each other. The scripture says that when Jesus and John the Baptist got near each other in the womb, scripture says that their ba- the babies leaped. When they got around each other, it leaped. It like leaped for joy. There was this connection that said, like, whoa, whoa, we're supposed to be near each other. 
Could it be that even at that young age, there was like a passion burning in those two with the call of God and that they were supposed to be linked together, that they had this huge future in front of them. And so when they got together, there was like this leaping on the inside of them. That's what it should be like when we serve in our communities, when we come to church, when we get around like-minded people. You should come through those doors and something on the inside of you should leap with passion. You should wake up on a Sunday morning with a passion that, hey, we get to go to church today. I get to see my fellow brother and sister. I get to go out in the community this week and and speak to people at Chick-fil-A or help somebody at my work or whatever it is. Uh, There should be a leaping on the inside of you. Why? Because there's this passion on the inside of you to change your world and to better your community. Elijah, of course, we all know is a great man. So Elijah, the prophet, is this great man. And the scripture says he was taken up in a tornado this fiery tornado up to heaven. He didn't die. God called him up into heaven through this fiery tornado. And about Elijah, he prayed in scripture that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, and it didn't. So such a great man of faith that he could pray, and he stopped the rain for three and a half years, Uh, also raised a dead boy, and then uh, prayed over uh, just all these miracles, just this great man of God. You guys all know this about him. And so, but what we don't know about him is his history. If you go back and you look at this great prophet, all the scripture says about him is that Elijah, we don't know about his parents, it just says Elijah the Tishbite is what the scripture says about him. But it says about this with Elijah and Elisha, who who was his understudy, who he passed his mantle onto, the scripture said the reason that they worked good together, the reason that they had fruit together in their lives and that he could hand his mantle down is because the scripture said that Elisha was a man of like passion. Because passion matters to God. Zeal matters to God. Somebody say amen. I think about it like this. Uh, a lot of times we pray that. God, give us, the, give us the, the miracles of Elisha. Give us the miracles of Elijah. Give us the this of that Bible or whatever. And I wonder if God's just saying, hey, give me the passion of those guys. Give me the commitment. Give me the pursuit of those guys. And, uh, and then we can show up. I think God is always looking for like, us to meet him there. Uh, the scripture says that his passion was the cross. And I want you to hear this part. We'll get ready to close here in a minute. His cross, he went to the cross and died. And then power was released. Obviously, we know he had power before that. But to demonstrate even more power after that just speaks to that there can be power, obviously, after the resurrection. And I say that to say this. The scripture says we must decrease so he can increase. Scripture also says that we are to take up our cross. What is it saying? It's saying that, that when we die to ourselves, all of our desires, all of our things, and we pick up the passions that God has, when we, uh, when we walk with those passions, when we live in a way that power follows passion, it releases power in our life. And so even though cross situations seem hard, I want you to know that there's a power to harvest from that. DJ, why don't you come play? There is a power to harvest from your cross. You can call it your passion. Uh, I want you to hear this. And I know this is kind of like a tough thought because I don't want to get the road down the road of God wants you to suffer. I'm not going down that. But what I want you to, to know is this, that that trial, that thing, when you say, man, I feel like right now I'm in a season where I need to decrease so that God can increase. That feels like a cross sometimes your cross to bear, your, 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 your thing to endure. And, and that's, I guess what I'm telling you is okay. It's okay to be in a season where you feel like, hey, I'm losing some things. It's okay to lose 
some things if, if it's God's will. There's times that you fight for things. But to decrease, sometimes you got to declutter, like the scripture saying, I must decrease so he can increase in my life. What is that? That's decluttering of ourselves and saying, God, you've called me to pursue this thing or that thing or this thing and that thing. What needs to decrease in my life so that I can start learning the guitar so that I, so that there can be proof in my pursuit. What is that thing? And sometimes that's our cross. Sometimes that's our thing that we carry. I thought about this in Mark chapter five. There's a story of the woman who is sick with this issue of blood. And the way that the story goes is Jesus is walking with his followers and there's all these great crowds following him essentially down this main street. And this woman has had this issue of blood for 12 years and she's visited doctors and she's got all this help and she's done WebMD and nothing is working. And uh, she's walking and she's walking and she sees Jesus and she presses past logic. How many know at this time, if you had leprosy or there was these sicknesses and she had a reputation, I'm sure in town that, oh, there's that sick old lady, you know, she's got this thing, but Jesus is coming through. And the scripture says that she presses through the crowd with passion. She fights her way up to Jesus and she touches the hem of his garment. The scripture says that she was immediately healed. But what's interesting about the story is Jesus stops and says, wait a minute, who touched me? And now it's like a crowded airport, a crowded stadium, basically type scenario. You're wall to wall. The disciples are like, Jesus, are you serious? Who touched you? There's tons of people touching you. What are you talking about? He says, no, no. Somebody touched me with passion, with belief, with desire, with an understanding that if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. And so Jesus noticed what about her life? That there was passion, that she was willing to go a different way. She was willing to go against the crowd, against the grain, against what was popular to get what she believed God had for her. And my prayer for us is that we're willing to go against the grain, to go against culture, to go against what our selfish desires are, to get what God has for us. Somebody say amen. I'm just crazy enough to believe, I think, that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all in one, that they are here on earth for more than weddings and funerals and hospital visits. Like, I believe that they should be an active part of our jobs, of our families, of how we interact with each other. And again, not in like a bumper sticking, sticker, Christianese spewing kind of way, but like a, hey, I'm here to listen to you. Hey, I'm here to walk in forgiveness with you. Like, hey, I'm here to love you and meet your need. Amen? So she realizes that God's got something for her and she did all that it took. And I love this. The scripture says after she touched the hem of his garment, that more people after that were healed by touching the hem of Jesus' garment. What happened that day? Because of her faith, it opened up a whole new level of healing. And I could actually explain it uh, another day, but a whole new realm of healing started to happen. More people healed that same way later. I'm saying it to say this, when you have passion and you pursue what God's called you to do and you have a breakthrough, you've just trailblazed a way for people to get access that same very thing you fought for. So your passion, your cross, when you get through it and God empowers you, you make a way for other people. That's why it's powerful when the alcoholic gets right and then helps others. That's why it's, po <coughs> That's why it's powerful 
when a single mom or when someone who's maybe gone through a tough divorce, when you say, that's the passion, that's the cross that I carried, but now I'm gonna be there for you, you forge a new way. And, and, and so that's why we can't say, whew, I made it through, I'm safe, I'm good. You know, like you deal with it on your own. I thank God I'm out of that. And that's what happens in Christianity a lot is like we get through something we say, oh, I'm free of that. I don't have to deal with that anymore. And you forget those that are still there. We get so caught up in staying pure and holy and righteous and clean and whatever. It's about taking what God has done in our lives and turning it around and giving it back to somebody else. And it's a hand up. That's what we're called to do. Amen. That's what Jesus did for us. Why don't you stand? I believe that God honors passion. The scripture says Elijah, the prophet, was taken up to heaven. And Elisha had a passion to do double what Elijah did. So the miracles that Elijah did, his desire to Elisha, Elijah when he was going to heaven, Elisha said, uh, I want a double portion. I want to do double what you did. And he died one miracle short of that taking place. So the promise was that he was going to be able to do a double portion and he died with one short. So he's dead. And the scripture says that he was thrown in a cave. He's thrown in a cave because that's what they did with dead bodies and in war and all that different kind of stuff. They threw him in a cave. And the scripture says that his body was in there dead and there was a war taking place. And when the, one of the soldiers had died, they took him and they threw him in that same cave that Elisha was in, the double portion guy who was short by one miracle. And when the dead soldier touched the bones of Elisha, he came back to life. Check this out. Even after he was dead, God still honored his passion, his desire. In your life, you feel like, man, it's dead. It's done. Is there still passion? Is there still passion in you for it? Is there still a drive? Is it with you when you go to bed? Is there a thing that you say, God, I, it feels dead. It looks dead. It doesn't have a pulse, but, but the passion is there for it. Don't call it dead. Call on God because it, it came back to life. God honors passion. I believe he honors passion. Jacob said to God when he wrestled with God, I will not stop until you bless me. He understood that God honors passion. The scripture says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. If you hunger and you thirst and you have a passion, then God will meet you there. God will connect with you. God will see you through in whatever scenario. Amen. No idea what time it is, but let's pray. We'll just lump it all together here. I believe that this morning we'll probably, if we allow it to, go, go back. We'll be able to look back on this day if we allow God to really move in our hearts right now. I believe we'll be able to look back on this day and say, hey, that day, God really did something that changes 
our future and where we're going forward. I believe that this is gonna be like a symbolic day for Vertical Church, if you let it. So I don't want us to just think we're gonna pray our way out and then we're gonna be out. I want this to be like Elijah and Elisha. I want us to ask God for your it. What is your it? What is your thing that you have a passion for that you wanna see through, that you believe God has called you into? And then we're going to ask God for it and we're going to believe God for it and we're going to believe with passion and we're not going to let anything knock us down or off it. We're going to stand in it. So don't just let us pray our way out of here. Let's, let's grab it. Let's take hold of it. And then let's run with it and stand with it. And I believe we'll be able to look back on this and say, I remember that day when we prayed for our passion to be ignited and kindled so that the power of God can show up in our life. I believe he can do that in every area of your life family, finances, future, jobs, health, whatever it is, whatever you need, God can meet you there. Just use your passion right now as we pray. Believe him as we pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for all that you've already done. God, we honor you as Lord of our lives, as God, who we lay down our lives. We decrease so you can increase in our lives. Lord, whatever we have to declutter and set aside, God, we wanna make space for you to ignite our passion for you to stir us up. Lord, like the word says, a fire in our bones. We want in our belly, God, like we spiritually want to be alive. We don't want to be dead and stuck and stale. God, we want to be led by you. God, every area, whatever the arena is, Lord, that you, you've placed on the inside of our heart that, that we need a passion kindled for, God, stir it up. We ask for whatever those things are in your heart. Today, it's like a a marking point on our calendar. God, we say that we trust you. We believe that you can do it. We believe that you can lead us. God, we believe that leaving here, we can walk in many infallible proofs that you are God and, you're, and your kingdom is here on earth, that your kingdom can come here on earth just as it is in heaven. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that whatever wounds that may try to block whatever past, whatever pain, whatever pride, whatever thing the enemy has tried to use to snuff out that passion, we say be removed in Jesus' name. We say about Vertical Church and about our families and about our community that we are in unity and that we follow and we trust God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say amen.